Let's not waste a good crisis. Everywhere people are going to go, they're going to feel fear and they're going to see panic. When they come into work for us, they're going to see hope. And that's what we're going to say. By the time in 2010, when they were coming out of this recession, they had a 99% employee engagement score. Welcome to another CI for Life podcast. I am Rick Highland with RLG International. Today's topic is enhancing business and family culture during coronavirus or any other crisis. This is a special podcast to address what businesses and companies can do to address the coronavirus pandemic. Not from a numbers or how big the pandemic is, there's plenty of experts out there, or even from a, what are the solutions for the virus. I wanna focus on an opportunity in the middle of this pandemic. The hypothesis is that this is the perfect time to build and enhance your business and family cultures. Now is the right time to lead with honesty, transparency, hope, and gratitude. I'll illustrate it with two points. Number one, building a winning corporate culture pays. And number two, a crisis is a perfect time to build and enhance your culture. First, number one, some data, some research. Your culture affects your bottom line. Companies with strong cultures saw a 4x increase in revenue growth. Number two, piece of research and data, culture links happy employees, productivity, and profit. Companies studied with satisfied employees outperformed competitors by 20%, and this happiness attributed to 12% more productivity. And finally, about your brand, your brand's reputation matters. 86% of potential hires would not apply for a company that has a bad reputation with former employees or the public and 65% of employees would likely leave their job if they felt like they were being portrayed negatively in the news or social media because of bad business practices. Culture matters. For more information, research, and data, you can go on our rlginternational.com under insights and then search for CI for Life and you'll see all the data and evidence you need to prove that culture pays. The second assertion is that this is the perfect time to build your winning culture or enhance your culture. Here's a couple of quotes to uh, think about. Anyone can lead when the plan is working. The best lead when the plan falls apart. Robin Shamura. The true test of leadership is how you function in a crisis. Brian Tracy. Leaders turn crises into opportunities. Aditya Cho Chopra. Sorry for butchering your name there, Mr. Chopra. The measure of a leader in a culture is often tested during a crisis, and those leaders who can directly engage but still maintain their sense of perspective are the ones that will help their organizations survive and thrive. Okay, to help us define and understand culture, I turn to New York best-selling author Adrian Gostick, president of The Culture Works. Adrian, welcome to the podcast. How are you today and where are you today? Hi, Rick. I'm doing well. Good. We are, uh, you know, talking amidst, amidst the uh, crazy coronavirus uh, spread, and so I'm in my home office here near Park City, Utah, and doing just fine. Oh, great! Beautiful spot, and yeah, we're gonna talk about culture and talk about the virus and see uh, any insights that you might have on how to continue uh, great culture during these uh, tumultuous times. And I really appreciate you joining the podcast today. I'm a big fan. As you know, uh, Carrot Principle, I loved All In, and now you've got a new book, Gratitude. But before we get going, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, some of the books, the company, and uh, any anything else you want to tell us? 
Well, thanks. Yeah. Um, my co-author and I, Chester Elton, we, we run a company called The Culture Works. And we've, we've been writing books for, oh, 20 years or so. And what we end up doing is we, we, we begin, we end up usually working with organizations on their culture. And, and actually, we do get a little busier during crazy times like, yeah. well, we've never, none of us have ever been in a time like this. But we usually do get, get a little busier during crises times because organizations are trying to find ways to keep their people motivated and engaged during, you know, during times where they don't have a lot more money to give or maybe they're doing layoffs. So we're looking for very creative ways to, to can maintain a strong culture, keep people engaged and get them excited. Um, one of our first big breakout books was a book called Leading. Oh, sorry, it was a book called The Carrot Principle. Love and it. I know that uh, I've, I've come worked with your organization, Rick, yep. on, on that. We also wrote a book called All In, which is really and it was written during the worst of the last recession in, uh, from 07 to 08 and 09. We okay. published it in 2010 with the results of what organizations had done differently during that last recession to, to, to create really exceptional returns. And they weren't organizations that, uh, you know, were in high tech or things like that. They were organizations, blue collar, in many cases, organizations that had done something differently to, to really differentiate themselves. And it was typically around their culture. And as you mentioned, our, our latest book, Rick, is called Leading with Gratitude. And again, this is a book about leadership during, you know, just often during tough times, during times of crisis. How do we keep our people feeling engaged and excited about their work? Yeah, I, I love all of those books you've mentioned. I'm looking forward to hearing more. And one of the things I've loved about what you and Chester have done is all your books have got incredible research and data. Uh, to back up some of these concepts. So let's jump into the idea of culture. What's Adrian, what's your definition and what is the benefit of having great culture? Well, you know, there's a lot of definitions. So it's a good question. The, um, you know, if we think about it, it really is, you know, if, if I'm creating a culture and sometimes I'll talk to people who say, yeah, no, you really can't define culture. It's undefinable. Yeah. Well, if you walk into an Apple store versus you remember back in the day, the you know old radio shacks, right. you know, there is definitely a dif distinctive culture in, in an amazing Apple store versus, you know, the old days of radio shack. And so absolutely you can define culture. It's it's in the air like a perfume. And when you walk in, you just know a place is is hopping. And so really, we would define it as a place where as an as an employee, I feel like I can make a difference every day that my work matters and that when my work, when my work, when I really do make a difference for the organization, my work is valued and celebrated. You know, it's a simple formula and there's a lot that goes into it though. As you mentioned, our data, we have now worked with research partners to survey more than a million employees okay. in every different uh, industry you can imagine from, from high tech to oil and gas to to healthcare, to manufacturing. And really what we find is that culture is, is the last, last different, differentiator. Yep. You know, unless you've invented the iPod in your industry, typically, you know, others are gonna replicate what you do. They can even replicate your, your service levels, your, you know, the way that you serve customers, the, your product line. What they can't replicate is your unique culture. Yeah, well said. So let's jump into your latest book on gratitude. And I got a couple of questions for you there. Feel free to grab any one of these. But 
what inspired you to write the book, Adrian? And, you know, in the book, what, what is gratitude and what does the research say is the importance of gratitude? And if you could, maybe share a few examples of how to implement gratitude at home or at work. We were, no, this has probably been a couple of years ago now, we were sitting around with our good friend Marshall Goldsmith, who wrote the book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Okay. And Marshall and, and Chester and I, we, we've been executive coaches for a long time. We've, we've helped executives with their... Uh, with their employee engagement levels, with their uh, with their ability to make the next leap, and we were sort of we were sort of con- confused by the point that we've all had to help uh, these executives make the leap to understand that gratitude is very important, even though they instinctively know we should be appreciative of our employees for their for their good work. Inevitably, the the leaders we we worked with either just said they didn't have time for it; they were just too busy. Uh, they didn't believe it was really that necessary because it wasn't for them. There were a lot of reasons or excuses they gave for not being more grateful. Okay. And so we said, there's got to be something behind this. Instead of writing a book about, look, you should do this, we began by understanding the first third of Leading with Gratitude is about those myths, why we withhold our gratitude, especially during tough times. Because now when things get going, we go, okay, I've got to look for problems. I've got to be the problem solver. And we end up pushing our people further and further into the mud and and they get more and more down. And yet when we interviewed executives and many of the CEOs we interviewed for the book, Marshall opened up his uh, Rolodex to us. And so we interviewed a lot of the world's most successful CEOs from Alan Mulally, who saved Ford Motor Company, Ken Chenault, 16 years at the helm of American Express, amazing leader. Uh, Hubert Jolie, who who saved Best Buy when Circuit City went under, he saved Best Buy. And and so we interviewed a lot of these CEOs, and inevitably they all told us they came into this as gratitude grinches, kind of (laughs) thinking the same thing, especially when times were hard. When Hubert Jolie took over Best Buy, they were a billion dollars in the hole, they were about to go bankrupt, and he saved the organization. He says, inevitably you come in thinking, I've got to be the tough guy. He says that's exactly the wrong thing to do at those times. You've got to be positive. You've got to reward every little step forward. Yes, you still have to be hold people accountable, but you can do it in really positive ways. Yeah, that's a great example. I love those three examples that you shared because they are truly, with Ford, American Express, and Best Buy, some of the uh, better-run companies. So give me one of the things, the other things I like about your book, Adrian, uh, all your books is that they have the data and research, but then you also got great, very practical ideas on how to implement more gratitude. Can you share a few ideas with us that you either heard or came up with? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, let me give you a couple of ideas. So so the first third of the book is about those myths, those things that hold us back from being grateful. And, and they're really fascinating. It's the, it's, the, it's the pop psychology of why we don't do it. And yet we did a ton of research. And, and so those are really interesting. But then the second half or second third, two thirds of the book is really about how you do it. And as you, as you mentioned, Rick, it's a lot of how to's in there. And, and one of the things that we really begin with is, is this idea, and especially right now when things are tough, you've got to get ideas and input out of people. You gotta find you gotta find ways to you know everybody's walking around with ideas in their pocket, but they're not going to share them if they don't feel like partners in the business. Hmm. 
And so what we, what we really focus on, and this is not just a book about how you pat people on the back, how you tell them they're doing a great job. No, it's about how you see value that is being created around you and how you create more value within the people within your care. And so the first place we start is, is really soliciting and acting on input. Now, I'm, I don't think there's a you know, leader out there who's listening who doesn't think, well, I do that. I, I try to get my people involved. And yet we find very few employees really feel their voice is heard. And I know this is something you focus on when, when you go into an organization and that you try really to get people involved in the, in the brainstorming process and the improvement area. Yep. One of the leaders we interviewed was Quint Studer, who turned around Baptist Hospital when, when again, they, were, they had a $250 million uh, deficit. They were in the red. Um, employee engagement was at the 20% level when Quint took over the hospital system. And he said, the first thing I did was, he says, I started parking out in the farthest parking lot instead of by the, 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 the main door where the administrator's you know, spot was. He says, I parked that far away because I would talk to people on the way in. And he says, and I would make rounds with employees and I would ask them, hey, I'm your new administrator. What can I do to help serve you today? Hmm. And he says, uh, by the way, people looked at me. He, if, I thought they were going to ask, well, go take a drug screen. You know, <laughs> you, you don't look right. He says, but they finally started opening up a little bit. One of the nurses said uh, on the walk in, she said, you know, we park over there in the, you know, in the boonies. We're in a bad neighborhood. She says, and those bushes haven't been trimmed in months. She says, uh, somebody could be hiding in those. And I, I worry about my safety. And she said uh, that by the end of her shift, when she came out, not only the bush has been trimmed, but Quint had had uh, maintenance put up a fence to, to block out the neighborhood from her parking lot. And he, he said, you think that's spread around? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I know it's a small thing, yeah. and it doesn't perhaps improve the patient satisfaction level, but all of a sudden people started realizing, hey, this guy's going to listen. And, and then other ideas started coming out. So, again, especially during crisis times, this is when we really have to listen to our employees the most. And, and you know, you, you get a lot of people who push back and say, yeah, but then they're just going to, you know, start giving me ideas on things they can't impact. And, you know, that's your job as a leader, to help set expectations of what you can and can't impact. But that's just one idea that we go into there. Um, another, so we spend a lot of ideas. So there's, there's, there's four ideas around seeing value that's created okay. and pulling that out of your people. Another one on expressing your, your, your thanks in a very specific ways is around this idea of looking for small wins. And again, during a, during a you know, kind of a tough time like we're going to go through here for a while, yeah. you've got to look for those little things that people are doing right in a way every single day. If you as a leader aren't finding things to, to praise people about and help them feel good about every single day, you're missing, missing the mark. So Ken Chenault, who just recently retired as the CEO of American Express, told this to us. He says, he says we, we, we have a tendency as leaders to want to wait till the end. Hey, when we get through this, then we're going to celebrate. And hey, good job, everybody. He says, that's way too late. Your people are drained by this point. He says, if you're on a journey, you look for signposts along the way that you're on the right, right path. Oh, oh, there's that red barn they told me. I'm mean, supposed to turn here. And there's that, you know, he says, we're looking for little signposts. He says, that is our daily recognition to people, our daily gratitude. This was a good work. This was, this was an important day because we did this, this, and this. He says, you've got to find a way every single day to keep people motivated and moving forward. 
Wow, that's particularly relevant at these times today in the middle of, this is March 16th, 2020, in the middle of this pandemic. I love those insights. Ken Blanchard used to talk about that as, as well in One Minute Manager, that let's identify the small little things that will eventually lead us to the big wins. So great, great reinforcement. So you mentioned four ideas. Any, any other ideas on seeing value that you mentioned in the book that you want to share? Yeah, one of the others is is tailoring this to the individual too. You know, in these times that you know, there's there's not a lot we're going to be able to do for people financially. There's not a lot we can do people for people uh, to to you know to provide job security even because things are going to get a little tight for a little while, and we know that. You know, when we get back to normal, then then and it, this won't take forever. We hope then then you know we can worry about you know the financial side of things about this, that, and the other. What we can do during this time we have found, as we looked, as we studied organizations during the last recession, is we can worry about people's people's careers, people's progression, people's growth. And, and that doesn't mean that you're giving lots of promotions or things like that, but no, it means that you're beginning to start to understand what motivates somebody as an individual. Now, the chances of you and I, Rick, having the same top motivators in common are, are more than a million to one. We, 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 we created a, what's called a motivators assessment, and it, it measures what motivates you in your work from one to 23. Okay. My top motivators are ideas like creativity and autonomy. and Even family can be a motivator because we want to make our families proud of us and, and spend time with them. Now, this is a great time as a leader to spend a little bit more time with our people, understanding them, understanding their fears and their frustrations, but also understanding what we could do to help develop them. And it may sound counterintuitive right now. No, no, no. I'm going to keep my head down. I'm going to keep focused. We're going to, we're going to weather this storm. You weather the storm with your people and by understanding really what motivates them. And so some simple little changes can be pretty profound at a time like this where you're tailoring your gratitude into things that may be really meaningful to them. You know, if somebody is driven like me by creativity and autonomy and, and, and variety, well, well, is there an assignment you can give me that asks me to actually take on even more, but it really meets my motivators. It really helps me understand, you know, or your, you as a leader really understand what drives me. And I will do more for you if you understand specifically what drives me. A lot of times, though, we put on our own you know, glasses and we think everybody is motivated like we are. Well, I'm motiv not motivated by this or that. You know, it's, again, getting away from the money. It's tailoring your gratitude and your motivational ability toward the real drivers that drive people and, and what really makes them tick. Wow, great insights. And I love this idea. And, and you're right. It does seem a little counterintuitive. Understand your people, what motivates them, and this is the time for development. So when we come out of this, uh, where you know, I don't know if you're are you talking about training. You know, there's different things that we can do now so that we can anticipate when we come out of this, we're better, stronger, faster. Is that where you're going with the development yeah, idea? Absolutely. You know, one of the, the actually the first story in this new book, Leading with Gratitude is about, about a guy called Gary Ridge, and his name Gary Ridge. And Gary is the CEO of WD-40. So Gary has been the CEO for about 14 years. He uh, started in, um, he started, the, the company had about a $250, uh, $250 million uh, revenue. Uh, today it's $2.4 hmm. So he's seen a 10x 
increase in his revenue over those 14 years. So remarkably successful. And he says in 2008, he says, as I was touring the system, of course, that was the last big recession we were going through. And he says, people kept asking me, he said, he said Gary, are you okay? And he says, I kept wondering, do I look sick? And he says, I was sitting in my hotel room. This is kind of bugging me. And he says, I finally realized they weren't asking me how I was doing. They were asking, how are we doing? They wanted reassurance. They wanted to know that our organization was going to survive this storm. And he said, he said to himself, he says, let, he says, actually, when he went back to his headquarters, he gathered his executive team together and he says, guys, let's not waste a good crisis. He says, everywhere our people are going to go, they're going to feel uh, fear and they're going to see panic. And he says, when they come into work for us, they're going to see hope. And that's what we're going to say. And he says, so we're going to double down hmm. our investment in, in development during this time. He says, I know it's counterintuitive, but when we come through this, our people are going to go, wow, I am more, I have more skills, more abilities than ever before. He says, because we can do this. We can do most of this internally. We can train each other and we can, we can use this time to get better at our skills. And they did. Uh, he says, the other thing we're going to do is we're going to put in a, uh, into a, uh, into effect a rule of no hiding conversations, uh, no lying, um, no, no secrets. We're going to be transparent. And Gary committed that every single day he would communicate with his people. Even if he didn't have much to say, he would send out an email. Here's what are they working on today. Here's what we know. Here's what. And he says, every single day I would communicate with my people. You may think that's overkill, but it's not, he says. And the last thing he did, he says he brought all of his managers together and he trained them on how to give gratitude. He says, this is what it is. It's not just, hey, great job, everybody. Great job. No. And he taught them on the specifics of finding unique value in people. What are their motivators? Bringing everything back to the core values of the organization so that your gratitude is, is furthering the behaviors we're looking for. And by doing this, by the time in 2010, when they were coming out of this recession, they had their highest financials in their company history. But more importantly, and you won't believe this number, but we, it's, it's verified in our book, they had a 99% employee engagement score. Wow. I mean, <laughs> so you, you can't, you can't <laughs> manufacture that. No. The only way you do it is through sincere, genuine care and concern. And those people who worked, you know, who, who stuck with him during that, uh, that recession are still with him because he, they know he cares and he's an amazing leader who, you know, they're forged in the toughest times, right? When you think of the greatest leaders that you admire from history, they're all forged in tough times. Well, here's your tough time. What do we do? Wow. I mean, this, so glad we're doing this podcast today in the middle of this pandemic because you've just given us tons of examples, specific examples of what to do. And I love the development idea that Gary did. But then, and, and Adrian, I find this is very um, telling the truth is such a basic thing about being transparent about what we're, where we're really at in the business but also sharing hope. And that's a difficult line to cover sometimes is being so transparent, but then also building hope and building for a future and, and development of skills. Any other ideas on uh, how an individual or a leader might do that? Yeah, that's a, it's a great point there too, because it's a delicate balance. Yes. 
is because you know, and we had uh, you know, I've, we've got a little company of, of ten people. Our the culture works, and of course, we gathered them together like, end of last week when things were getting even crazier. And and, and I started out being a little bit, uh, a little bit. Hey, this is what's going to happen with our clients. We're not going to see this, that, and the other. So we got. And and Chester, my co my co author and my business partner, immediately texted me and said, "Okay, God, that's enough negative. Now let's keep it. Let's let's move to the positive." Because it's really easy to get into the mire, but also you can also go so far over the other side where you're so poly. Hey, this is going to be great for us. No, you've got to be realistic, but you've also got to set a tone of here's how we're going to get through it. And by the end of our meeting with our employees uh, last Friday, we felt really good. We all had we all threw out ideas, and our it was our team actually that came up with some ideas, and they said. Look, we're you know we're not going to sell in quote marks anything to anybody for the next few weeks, or even month. So why don't we just give everything away for free and help people out, help、mm. them, help their cultures during this tough time? And we all went absolutely. What a great idea! Now, of course, a lot of your listeners can't do that, but we've all got to find ways to add value to our clients during this time. That that will will you know will help them instead of looking like we're oh we're trying to make a buck during a during a crisis. So how do you get your people involved? You know that that delicate balance between being being realistic but also giving hope. And you'll never get it perfect. But as you say, Rick, you gotta you still have to try every single day to communicate and keep people informed, and also bring them back to. To the, your purpose. I mean, every organization who's listening to this, every, every leader who has, you know, your organization, you make the world better in, in some way. This is the time to bring people back to that purpose. You know, here's how we help organizations. So on our call at the Culture Works, we talked about look, we provide the tools to help cultures, to help leaders build great cultures. So what are we going to do? How are we going to help them during this time? And so that was our focus. What will your be? What your what will your focus be? Will be how you are going to make the world a better place during this time, and give give people hope that they're making a difference. Wow, there are so many nuggets in here. I'm so excited. I hope the listeners, when you're listening to this podcast, have a pen and paper out. Adrian, you've given us so much.、Uh, just in summary, from my end, before I let you have a last word, I love how you've written your books with the data first on the impact that. These what we call the soft things that are really hard things、uh, makes a difference, a demonstrable difference. When you get employee engagement at 99%, you can get 10x on profitability and revenue. And then in your books, you always share real examples, like Gary at WD40, and you've got many others in there. And then I love how that also you share practical ideas, like things people can do every day, every week, every month. So、uh, again, Adrian, really appreciate you being with us. Anything else in closing? Well, one of the things, Rick, is the the last actually section of the of leading with gratitude is about taking this home to your family. And so,、mm. one of the things during again during a, during if we're building culture, especially during tough times, you know, don't forget the people who should mean the most to you. Is that we can bring our our fears and our anxiety back to home, and this is a time where they're going to need you as well. They're going to need you to be positive. They're going to need you to look for. Good things that are happening. Maybe the kids are home now. Schools are closed for a while. Yeah.、Uh, everybody's getting on each other's nerves. You know, be the positive influence. Look for things to be grateful. One of the one of the leaders we interviewed in the book said, you know, he says I've changed up my dinner conversation. He says, you know how it usually goes. How was your day, kids? Fine. 
What right. you do? Nothing. <laughs> and he says, so we changed that up. And he says, now we do. We ask three things. So maybe try this out. Okay. The first is, he says, I ask every member of the family, he says, what were you grateful for today? And maybe, you know, Johnny received, you know, got a, you know, they were out playing football in the backyard and he caught a really cool pass or something. Like that. Great. He says, so he says, first, secondly, he says, who are you grateful for who's not at the table today? Well, you know, so-and-so sent me an email maybe or a text and just asked how I was doing. Okay, great. And he says, third question is, who are you grateful for who's at the table who hasn't been thanked yet? And he says, so when I first started doing this, he says, my kids crazy hated this. They thought it was the stupidest thing ever. He says, within a couple of weeks, they were inviting their friends over and saying, hey, by the way, my dad's going to ask you three questions. Uh, what, what are you grateful for? What was your best moment of the day? What are you grateful for today? Best moment of the day. Secondly, who are you grateful for who's not at the table? Then who are you grateful for at the table who hasn't been thanked yet? And he says it became their thing. And he says years later, we're still doing this. So this may be a time to implement something new, a new way of look, being grateful, keeping yourself positive during a tough time. Well said. And what if we do that at business at the beginning of every meeting as well, or at the end of every meeting? Or that would be a fantastic idea for both home and business. So Adrian... Really appreciate you joining. You've honored us today with some great insights and uh, have a great day. How great was that to have Adrian Gostick on the podcast today at this particular juncture, at this particular time? He didn't mention it, but he's ranked number three on the list of top 30 global gurus in leadership and number nine in organizational culture and is a sought after keynote speaker around the world. Okay, let's conclude with our top 10 list on this topic. Drum roll, please. The top 10 things to do to enhance your business and family culture during coronavirus. Number one, follow CDC and government recommendations. Let's unite. Let's show how good we are at following, not just leading. Your team and your family will respect you for it. Number two, run to the problem. Be it said that you are one that runs to the problem, not run away. Don't go quiet. There'll be a temptation to wait until there's perfect information to come up with a strategy or communication. Don't wait for perfect. That leads me to number three, communicate, communicate, and communicate some more. You may have to change course the next day as new information comes forward, but that's okay. Your people and your team will appreciate your efforts. Number four, Adrian mentioned this practice. Start every meeting every day with gratitude. What is going right? Recognize the small things. Be specific and do it daily. Number five, it's hard to say the most important out of the top 10 list, but listen carefully. Honesty and transparency without fear mongering. That's a really important part. We all understand the importance of being honest, but without creating fear. Now is not the time to let your personal anxieties show in the spirit of honesty a lot of times people because they get anxious share things that create tremendous anxiety in others you may be worried about your own career how this dip in performance makes you look as a leader as a person as a parent but put your personal anxieties aside and still be transparent with plans and planning number six share hope and vision what is your vision on how we will be better and stronger in six months? Do you really believe that? We do. I do. And put a plan together. Share it again and again. And ask your people for input. Ask your family for input. 
How will we learn from this and be better and stronger in six months? Take responsibility. Number seven, invest in personal development. What a great time to have your team do online training or learn a new skill. I heard somebody yesterday talk about they're going to learn to play the piano during this time. Invest in personal development. Number eight, remember to have fun. Set up online contests. We can't gather in groups of 20 or more, but we can have fitness challenges, training challenges, recognition challenges, service challenges, as long as we're still following the CDC recommendations. And number nine, if you're not used to sit, uh, working at home, it, it can be a change. I have done it for 30 years, and you need to continue to seek virtual community. I talk to my assistants and team in Vancouver almost daily to make that sense of connection and community even though I'm isolated at home. I actually prefer it and like it. I think we can become more productive working at home, but you have to build a sense of community and work with others, conference calls. And we've got so much software today to hook online, either video or conferencing uh, to keep us connected. Number 10, maybe most important, maybe I should have put this as number one, have a business disruption plan. What is your coronavirus response plan? Plan, plan, plan. When we plan, we reduce fear. Go to rlginternational.com under insights, under CI for life for an excellent example from our leadership, Brad Farrow, Tanya Peterson, and others, how RLGs put together a coronavirus response plan and business disruption plan for our employees and our clients. Very proud, great example, best practice. Look it up and share it with others. And then a bonus one, number 11, give something away for free. Show you support your employees during these troubling times. Give something away to your clients for free. Show them your commitment. A lot of businesses are doing this today. For example, the airlines on change fees. What's your change fee example that you can show your employees and your client your commitment during these troubling times so you can come back str stronger? Give free services, free consulting, free training. Do it. It will enhance your culture and your long-term performance. This has been another Continuous Improvement for Life podcast with Rick Hyland with RLG International. For more information, uh, for blogs and videos, find me on ciforlife.org. Please share and like this podcast if it was helpful. Thanks for spending some of your valuable time with me. Until next time, live a life of con sustainable, continuous improvement. Goodbye.